let's lead things off with all the news and then we'll get to our guests. And we want to start with giving Jackie Robinson his due, which especially at this time, every single year, it is very much worth the conversation and updating the conversation as well, because it always changes. How are we doing within the game? I'll throw a number or two out there and then let's kick around what this day means to everyone but also where the league is at, because it's important. And that's one thing that we like to do. April 15th, every year, and you'll see number 42 on the back of everyone's jerseys. And this year, I do like, even though it's on a Saturday, I do like that every team's playing. And that's my one plea, is that we make sure every team is playing on Jackie Robinson Day every single year. Schedule gurus, get it figured out. But MLB's percentage of black players is the lowest since 1955. Only 6.1% of players on this year's opening day rosters are black, 58 out of 945 active players. And Tony Regans does a great job in the league office. He's the chief baseball development officer. And he said recently, quote, I remember when I first came to Major League Baseball in 2015 to the league office, I thought I could turn this around in five years, but it takes time. So the one positive portion on the stats, because I'm a big draft and prospects guy, 14 of the top 100 on MLB Pipeline right now are black players, including six of the top 25. And we saw um, black players in the draft last year um, more prevalent than we had seen in prior drafts. So, mm-hmm. Locaine, let's get your worldly view on where we're at as a sport with African-American participation and awareness and making sure that Youngsters all the way through, of course, big leaguers are not only getting involved and getting into this league, but also just looking at where they are in the sport and how we're dealing with um, involving black players in Major League Baseball. All right. I think it's like I said, I think it's slowly getting better. Um, I think not at a pace that any of us would like, but, uh, um, you know, even myself, I think I could have helped a little more as far as promoting black players a little bit more. But if any, anyone who knows me, I'm not a big fan of the camera. So, you know, that's that's kind of a fail on my end. So I, I could have I could have done a lot better job promoting and um, bringing awareness uh, to the game. But I, I just remember growing up, I didn't you know, the game was always expensive. You know, it's expensive to, to play and, you know, bats and cleats and gloves and everything else. So, um, you know, and um, I've always leaned towards football and basketball a little more growing up. So, um, you know, I think. As, as things progress, will things will get better. Like I say, promoting the a lot of the black players that's in the game right now will definitely help that and um, kind of advance that a little a little more each and every day. So um, I think we're heading in the right direction. We have we have a lot of great people out there still promoting, and also myself, I need to do a better job as pro- promoting as well. So, but as time goes, I think uh, things will slowly change, and um, you'll see a lot of a lot more black players in the game. Locaine, when you sit down, let's say, with other prominent black ball players, mm-hmm. and we'll talk to Andrew McCutcheon later, and I know Adam's definitely opinionated on this as well, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you're at a game or sitting down for dinner. What kind of conversations go on specifically about the sport and the numbers that I'm referring to? Does that come up at all, right? Like, is, is that a frequent conversation? Like, if you were hanging out with some of your friends that played in the game or used to play in the game, mm-hmm. is that a big topic of conversation and and do you kick around how that can change um honestly it 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 doesn't because you know it's it's been a certain way for so long you just kind of 
you know, just kind of brush it off. You just kind of, you know, don't really talk about it much. But um, um, we know it's there. It's kind of that unspoken thing that we, we don't, you know, have the conversation about enough. But um, like I said before, as as things continue to roll, as uh, myself and, you know, other players in the game are slowly promoted a little bit more, um, I think things will slowly change. Um, but, yeah, we're, it's all a, a work in progress, I feel. Um, I need to get more involved myself personally. Um and help out on that end so you know we all have to kind of just step up and 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 um uh get this thing rolling in the right direction okay and i want to bring in a question from mm -hmm. a fan watching right now valley baseball scout said need you guys to ask him about when he started playing baseball because i heard he didn't start <laughs> playing until late in high school yeah. which just seems absurd and i can tie that into this conversation because something right. that's that's come up a lot when i i've spoken to young black players that are draft eligible or end up getting picked, they say, I mean, I, I have a lot of peers that end up going a basketball route, a football route. And that's a problem in general with the sport, with right. college, because for example, football, the amount of scholarships offered. And now you even take that to another level, just when you're talking about college sports, the, the NIL and giving players the ability to cut marketing deals. I'm going to assume, I don't have numbers out on that, that you can make a lot more money if you're if you're a super athlete, you can make a lot more money at a big ass school playing basketball or especially football. So that starts to make a gap, and and that's a problem with baseball in general. I, I remember the numbers always like it's like they have eleven and a half scholarships or something like that to hand out. You know, Kratzy, in baseball. So I mean, Kratzy, you've seen that right for years. That creates a problem for baseball because unless you're getting picked and you're a signing bonus guy right towards the top of the draft, if you're a multi-sport star, you might go a different direction, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, as far as, like I said, baseball is not um, something that's promoted to, you know, guys like myself when we we're younger. Like, it's, it's football and it's basketball. Even myself, I, you know, I would have never played baseball if, for one, I for one I, I got cut from the basketball team, which you know <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to say. It, it hurts my heart, honestly. <laughs> but uh, and my mom said, "Hey, son, you're you're not playing football. I refuse to let you play football." So for me, the only sport that was left for me to play was baseball. So that's is that's the only reason why I decided to go out and play baseball because I got cut from basketball and I refused to do that amount of running conditioning again and not make a team. And then my mom wouldn't let me play football. So basically, I said, hey, well, I'll try baseball. I had a buddy named Jeremy Haynes that um, I think he was the only black guy on the team at the time. And um, I said, hey, do you think I can make the baseball team? And he said, hey, Leah, let me introduce you to the coach. And uh, I ended up going in the coach's office and I told him, I said, hey, coach, uh, I'm Lorenzo Kane. I would love to play baseball for your team. And he was like, hey, perfect. You know, um, we were actually going to have to cancel the uh, JV season because we didn't have enough players uh, to have a season. So you make nine and now we can actually have the season. So I don't know if he was joking around with me or whatnot, but it felt real. But uh, yeah, I maybe I ended up making the team by default uh, my 10th grade year. And then like I say, long story short, you know, now I'm here talking to you guys. <laughs> Crazy. You're crazy. Okay. Like, like hearing that story just shows me that we're not promoting it enough. And, and I don't know 
and I, I don't know all that stuff. I don't know, like, because I loved I loved baseball my whole life. I played it. Like, that was, like, the main sport. And it's not like my, my dad didn't play baseball, you mm-hmm. know. So it was something that I just loved, and I, I hope we can continue to promote it so that you're not playing it for the first time in your 10th grade year. But <laughs> this is the first time that we've had two Major League Baseball players on the show that played on JV – our 10th grade years. So me and Lo Kane, we go. got that. You got to start somewhere. Yep. You got me beat. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't even make the JV team. You were a basketball player. No, I player, didn't play. Scotty. I was a basketball player. I, didn't, I, I, I stopped after Little League. I had like, I was too hyper. But anyway, back to you, Kratzy. No, 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 no. I, I just think it's, I just think Lo Kane's story is unbelievable. And, yep. and he has, he ha, he has to be a, a beacon for kids who aren't necessarily like, oh, okay, you know, maybe I don't like this sport. And it doesn't have to just be baseball. Like, Low Kane just shows you that if you put something into it, like, you can get a lot out of it. And I'm not saying you're going to have a career like Low Kane had because it's, it's an all-star career. But I'm saying that when you have people like a coach like he had, when you have, uh, you know, friends who want to like, hey – you can come and do this, like include you into stuff. This is partially why, like, I kind of get mad about the whole screen time, too much screen time for kids. Like, if a kid doesn't make the basketball team, like Lil Kane, he's embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Now most of them are just like, well, I'll just go and whatever. I'll just, you know, there's plenty of ways that it could have gone for Lil Kane. He decided to go and, you know, come out for the baseball team. Look at me now, mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look at those contracts. Look at that career. By the way, of course, breaking news from – AJ Brzezinski's watching, and he said, I also played JB my grade 10 year. Did not know that. Wow. I did not know that. That never came up. It'll be Monday. What a humble humble by him. Not a humble brag, a humble humble. Humble humble, I agree. Hey, here's my follow-up, because you mentioned this, Locaine. What baseball wasn't promoted much to you. You're kind of like, oh, well, there's baseball. I guess I'll I'll go to that. How, how How do we promote it more? And when I say we, like, go down the line, whatever it is. I mean, we're trying to do it differently on this show. We're trying to provide, like, open, authentic conversations, connecting mostly on, of course, you know, YouTube, digital, social, podcast, et cetera, right? Going, because let's be real, especially for talk show content, most of the younger audience is here and not Mm -hmm. going to TV. They're going to TV for games. So we're trying to do our part. I know... The league has, they've definitely put money into certain situations, but is it being promoted enough that way? Teams, players, like where do you see the good and the bad in that right now? Yeah, I think, I think it's a lot better than what it used to be, you know, um, as far as promoting the game. Um, But I think it's, it's a mixture of, of everybody, you know, as far as MLB, as far as the players. And that's why I said some of that falls on me as well, because I was never a guy that liked to be in front of the camera, so I was never great at promoting things. So um, that's why a lot of that falls on me as well. And I think as a collective group, we all have to sit down at the table and find different ways to promote the game. And I I can't just put all the blame on just say MLB because honestly, they were just, for a while there, they were just bad at promoting baseball players in general, honestly. so I think as a collective group, we all just need to sit down to, at a table and uh, figure out different ways to promote this game um, to get, uh, like I say, you know, like Show Tony, he's in the game as well, promote 
um, players like that as well, you know, players like myself. Um, and I think uh, once we do that, once we sit down and have a conversation, um, things can kind of move forward. Who who do you think who do you think would be the guy to promote it? Who do you think would be the guy to promote it right now for for black players that they mm-hmm. would like connect to? Because you know, yeah. not everybody connects to the same the same it, guy. No it, matter what it is, we're talking you know anybody across the game, but especially for black players, who do you think should be the one promoting it? Yeah, I mean, like you said, right now, I guess Tim Anderson is the guy. That's the guy I'm thinking of right now. Um, um, I'm trying I'm trying to think. As far as the older guys, like I said, that's why I wish I would have done a lot more when I was playing. And um, and what like would I, you have we done? got guys that's out of the game. Like I say, CC's doing a lot. You know, Curtis Grandison's doing a lot. Um, uh, so guys like that. Um, like I said, we got coaches. You know, Quentin Berry, he's he's there in Milwaukee. Um, amazing first base coach. Guys like that as well. So we, we got guys in place. Um, it's just – it's just – the needle just needs to move forward. But what would you do? Well, like, like if you went to 2014, Locaine, right after you win the MVP of the NLCS, mm-hmm. what would you tell him? What would you tell him to do? Like, we'd be like, like, hey, like, like what? we started doing like different commercials. Like you see, you see, you see everybody's on camera nowadays, and it's usually just uh, a certain group of guys. And I think. I know towards the end of my career, they started promoting, you know, commercials. They called me a few times and I did a few, but that just, that just wasn't my thing. You know, I didn't like to be in front of the camera that much. So I think as far as commercials, promoting guys that way, I think baseball players, it's tough for them to kind of get out in communities because they play every single day. You know, I think that that hurts as well because we, it's so many games. And I think as a, as a group, we got to, all just get out in different communities and, and just kind of spread the word and, and just be a part of, of different things. And, but I think all of that is a process, all of it takes time. And, um, but I think as a group, as a whole, I think we're all moving in the right direction. Yeah. I think of, of course, Kutch, who we'll talk to soon. Yes. Some, some younger players in the league that are either great speakers, fun personalities, going to be around in this league for a while can definitely right. be amazing role models uh cedric mullins yes cedric mullins yeah there's another one yeah michael so, harris yes who comes on this show pretty frequently um you know great guys want to be helpful mm-hmm. same thing though i i think if we had this conversation with them they'd be like during the season i am so damn busy and yes. they're also young <laughs> right which is different you know young mm-hmm. is different because you're getting your your feet wet and you're trying to mix in with the squad. And for some guys, they might be pre that big contract too. There's just a different mm-hmm. kind of pressure and feel and seniority. But in my mind, that's where I think, here's where, here's where everyone's at nowadays, right? Even mm-hmm. if they are playing, I know Kratzy said, you want, you, you want to limit the screen time a little bit, but everyone's here. So can we figure out a way to reach everyone here in a more efficient way? Because mm-hmm. going face-to-face, is amazing if you can do it. It's mostly probably going to happen in the off season. Yes. But during the season, players, if it's involved in their schedule, that they do something that's interview related, um, something to connect. Like my thing would be, Kratzy, one of my ideas is, can we go more to certain schools or even bigger communities and hold massive um, you know, video conferencing sessions or live sessions like this, right? And just have 
conversations and talk to everyone about their path, right? Which again, like we're doing stuff like that here, but can you involve that with schools, with little league teams, with Mm -hmm. even non-baseball teams to kind of tell your story? Because that also helps. I think there's a lot of players that don't realize and a lot of great athletes that don't realize what the path to baseball looks like, what the what the income can look like, the guaranteed contracts, you know, there, there's just a lot there. And also finding mentors because Locaine, I imagine this would be easier too, is hard to get on, you know, on the ground and, and out to uh, say a baseball field for teams during the season. But if they said, hey, you know, you're, you're chilling on your flight would, would, or you're, you know, on your way to the ballpark or whatever it is, can you talk to this group for 15 minutes? You know, the PR sends you the the phone number or the or the link to join. Stuff like that, I think, can be done more frequently. I just think everyone's busy, and so it gets lost. And then you're like, oh, crap, you know, it's been another season. Yes, I agree. It, and it happens fast, too, you know. Um, everyone's so busy with the season. You know, your, your main focus is is playing baseball during the season. So it's it's hard, you know. It's, it's, it's tough to even make a ton of time for my kids, you know. So I can only, you know imagine trying to make time for for other people so it's i think as far as you know the amount of games we play is it will always be tough that way but um i'm i'm involved now that i'm not playing anymore i'm involved with my community and like i say i'm trying to give back to those kids and you know teach them how to play baseball and you know just teach them how to be men in general so you know that's how i'm involved for myself in that aspect so it's it's all it's all come it all comes down to how much time do we have? How how are we finding ways to make time for each other? So we just got to figure that figure that out and, and figure it out fast. The great Rob Parker, founder and editor of MLBBro.com. We've done some shows together in the past. And uh, MLBBro.com covers black and brown major leaguers and chronicles the path of both present and, uh, and past black players. They highlight their achievements in the game right now from a historical standpoint. And this is, I'm serious, one of the most entertaining voices in all of sports for a long time now. You know it, Rob. We can we can get after it on the biggest of topics and go real authentic on the combo. That's why you're going to like this, this show. And we can also get into it on like a minor leaguer for minor leaguer trade. And, and he will have you engaged in the conversation. So how you doing? It, it's been a little bit, but we've done some shows back in the day. What's new? No doubt, man. Thank you for having me, you guys. I appreciate uh, that and that uh, beautiful uh, introduction. I guess <laughs> I've been around a while and been, uh, you know, doing sports debating for a long time, going back to Cold Pizza on ESPN, if you can re- remember that show. But uh, Hell yeah. great to be on. Oh, I watched. Absolutely. Great to have you on. So first off, I want to get to what's most important today with Jackie Robinson Day being tomorrow. We just talked to Kutch. I don't know if you, you caught any of that. Locaine spoke earlier about his take. Okay, so so I'll just open the floor up to you on on what this day means. But then also, I think it's also it's always important for this day to be an evaluation of where we are as a sport in terms of African Americans participating in this great game and also having the access to participate in this game. Well, Jackie Robinson Day is very special to me. Uh, I'm a baseball guy. I know everybody sees me on these shows with the NBA and NFL, and I'm, I'm a, I vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is my most prized possession. Um, 
you know, I've been covering Major League Baseball since 1986. My first World Series, can you imagine being 22 years old and being at the game where the ball goes through Bill Buckner's legs? I mean, that's that's where my baseball, uh, you know, started covering Major League Baseball. And I used to be a kid growing up in Jamaica, Queens, and taking a seven train with my buddies to Shea Stadium, spending five bucks on car fare, hot dog, ticket to the game, a drink, a scorecard, and I would still have 50 cents left over. I mean, for real, I was that kind of baseball fan growing up. So I loved the game and what Jackie did for not only baseball, but for America. You got to remember, America was uh, a very different place in 1947 and where black people fit in and being a part of Americana and, and Jackie Robinson, what he was able to endure and do and even excel. I have the utmost respect for uh, his legacy and what he was able to accomplish uh, in baseball, which changed America. So this is a day we do remember him, uh, his uh, contribution to this country. And also we take a look at the game and where it is. And, and I know the numbers aren't where we want them to be and where they probably should be. There are a lot of factors of, of that. And uh, so I'm always looking at it. I'm encouraged, though, when I see a Jordan Walker in St. Louis or uh, Hunter Green, who's so involved in Cincinnati. And then I looked at the Major League Baseball draft this past year where three of the top five players were African-American and uh, that had never happened in the Major League Baseball draft. But I agree. The biggest thing is about access and those showcases and where people need to come up with $1,000, $1,500 a weekend to be able to be seen, those are the things that are, are barriers. But um, I'm, I'm encouraged. I think some steps have been taken to uh, get the African-American player in this country more engaged in baseball. Uh, so I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged. Hey, Rob, uh, I just got a just quick question for you. Um, like you said, you were speaking there. Um, what can, you know, guys like ourselves do more to help promote the game of baseball for black players? Like what what would you tell me to help me promote and, and, and help everything improve around us to further grow this game for black black players? Right. And you know what? This is why I started MLBbro.com for mm -hmm. real. Because this is very, to me, it's important. We need to know, and these young kids who maybe have gotten away from it need to know how uh, how important this game is to our culture. Like mm -hmm. for us to act as if baseball isn't a part of the black culture and black experience is crazy. When our people, our families and our uncles and aunts and grandfathers who used to pay double the price to get into Briggs Stadium in Detroit to see black players because the white owner didn't want them there. So they would double and triple the price and they still would pay to get in, you know, when, when black players would come through Detroit in the major leagues or, or whatever it was. So it's a part of our history. Look at the record books and the contributions we've made, considering that we started in 1947 and not at the very beginning. Uh, so I think pushing that message out about the game Lorenzo is, is to me is the biggest part. And we do a thing called on, on our website called a bro. You need to know 
And it's only mm -hmm. about a minute and 15, a minute and 30, but it tells you about all these players, not just, you know, the, the ones we all know, Willie Mays and Jackie Robinson and Hank Aaron, but like a Lorenzo Cain and, you know, and a, a Mookie Wilson and all these other players who have played and, and contributed to the game to let people know uh, these younger black kids and younger generation about the stars that we have now and the stars that we've had uh, not that long ago who played in this game and contributed. So it's really about that, I think, more so than anything, that, yes, they can look at you, look at some of these videos and, and say, hey, that guy looks like me. I can play this sport as well. Everybody's not going to make it to the NBA and everybody's not going to make it to the NFL. It's the biggest fallacy going. The NBA has 400 jobs, 400 mm -hmm. jobs. And we take all of our resources and people and just have this pipe dream about everybody making the NBA. I think it's, I think it's a shame. And that's where I think uh, we've kind of gone astray with the AAU and coaches stopping players from playing more than one sport. I mean, well, whoever heard of that? All the greatest athletes play multiple sports. But somehow we've gotten the kids pigeonholed into believing if you're going to play basketball, you only can play basketball 24-7, you know, 365 days a year. That's nonsense. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I love that. Is there is there too much pressure to be the person, to be that guy on like a Tamir Johnson, somebody just got drafted? Or should it be, should it fall on the hands? I think Hunter Green is doing a ton of great stuff. Or should it, or is, is Hunter Green even too young for it? Should it be on Aaron Judge's shoulders? Should it all be on Kutch's shoulders? Or is it a is it a full community thing? I think it's a full community. There are guys, everybody's not the same. And you know what? Like a Hunter Green, he just seemed like a natural leader, like a guy who wants to make a change in the world and, and bring awareness. I mean, he's already on our website, uh, watches videos, gives us comments. I mean, we love the engagement that he has because I think he sees our vision and what we're trying to do. Uh, so other people, Aaron Judge has been helpful with us, uh, other players. We've had no issues, really, when the black players have been presented to MLB Bro and what it is we're trying to do. Probably uh, the encouraging thing, too, is that we became partners at a partnership with Major League Baseball this year for the first time. And our site's been around for a couple of years. And the encouraging part of this is that, A, Major League Baseball, as you guys know, is an $11 billion business and doesn't have to do anything it doesn't want to do. And looked at this as a way of, of getting a narrative out there and outreach by going through MLB Bro. And the other part of this, which is very encouraging, is that Major League Baseball also wants to help in having more black and brown baseball writers, content creators, you know, TV host broadcasters as well that comes out of like this as being a farm system. And then you start to tell the game in another narrative, in another voice. And I think that's also very important. The way we deliver the baseball content on our website is different from what they do on MLB. And they, we might have black fans who might not go to MLB.com, but might come through MLBbro.com and, and, and then work their way into baseball. So those are the things that we're trying to do. And I have a staff of 60 young people who love baseball. And most of them are black and brown. 
And I, you don't even know, like, how I feel as a guy who's covered baseball for 37 years to see all these young people who want to know more about the game, who want to learn it, who want to be able to have a voice and put it out there. And so their videos that these guys are doing, they're in college, they're 20-something years old. Everybody says, those guys don't watch baseball. They don't care about baseball. I beg to differ. Some of them are out there, and they're spreading the word. And to see a young 20-year-old, 22-year-old guy do an Instagram or TikTok video about Mookie Betts and have MLB put it out on their website and their TikTok or Instagram and see we have our videos doing 20 and 30,000 views. It's, it's beautiful. It really is. How can how – because this, this is a platform. We have a platform and we want to sell – the game of baseball, how can me as a white ex-player, how can I promote it? What what can I do? What can my fellow play, white players that played that love black, brown, Latino, Asian, whatever it is, people, how can I promote it, promote the game to black players, but also promote the game totally? You know, what what can I do? What can we do? Yeah. I think for for you, it's the same thing. It's about making people aware of stuff. And even if you were just to be like, if you saw something or out there that's out on the social media, whatever, you being a former player, having some clout, uh, you pushing that out there, that content, man, that was, did you see this? You know, and, and, and every chance you get to be able to highlight uh, something good that's happening in the game. Because that's where people get their... You know, when, when when it becomes like an end thing, oh, wow, I saw this on, or I saw this great play, or I saw this home run. We have a segment called Yo, That's Sick, done by a college kid. And, and his Yo, That's Sick this past week was Jordan Walker getting his uh, hit in his 12th straight game. You know, when he t and, and he just gives you, it's only like 40 seconds, right? But it kind of encompasses what we're trying to accomplish. Here's a young 20-year-old, black baseball player doing doing something that hasn't been done since 1912 or whatever. That's a yo, that's sick, man. This, this hasn't been done. The other thing is when I talk about uh, Jordan, I think uh, Jordan Walker is not just a young, great player. I think he's a movement. And I, and I say that from this standpoint. He's the kind of 6'6", 245 pounds, Probably could have played any sport he wanted to. This guy playing baseball is is very big for, for Major League Baseball because I think you could see a guy like this who we were losing, and I say we as in baseball, probably to the NFL, you know, in recent years, athletes of that size and whatnot. And now this kid comes along, has success. He's 20 years old, that there's another place. Um, Latrell Hawkins, who works on our site, he compared him to Dave Winfield to me, which was a perfect example. Because Dave Winfield, I don't know if you guys know, was drafted in four professional leagues. Did you guys know that? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. You know the history of Dave Winfield. The ABA, the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball. And here was Dave Winfield, six foot six. you know, could, could play all, any sport he wanted. He picked the right one. Major League Baseball had a 20-year career, Hall of Fame career. This is this is what I see Jordan Walker being, like a player of that magnitude. And obviously, it's early and he's just starting his career. But I'm saying those are the guys. Kyler Murray, first time ever in baseball, in, in, in sports history,
drafted in the first round in Major League Baseball, drafted in the first round of the NFL, but he chose the NFL. And that's something that baseball's fighting is that, you know, a lot of kids don't want to put in the work, going to the minor leagues, not making money, you know, where you could, in the NBA, you go one year out of high school and you can go straight to the league. Or, you know, the NFL, you play your two or three years in college, and then you go, there's no minor league, you go straight in to the, to the, to the league. So that's the thing that with the current kids who don't want to wait on anything, that's the battle you have to fight. So, Rob, I got a couple of questions that kind of tie in the popularity of the sport and, and going back to what Andrew McCutcheon told us earlier. We got to get rid of that, that boring narrative. So on that front, I think it has just as much to do with the product on the field or with the product, I guess, off the field. Let's put it that way. Then does the product on the field. I think we are speeding up and we are going to uh, attract, and this is just for all young audiences, especially uh, a different kind of fan now. And it'll go through a renaissance period because the game is still accomplishing everything it needs to, but tightening it up, which, you know, I had a problem with that as well. So great on that front. The other front, is that I think football and basketball are more culturally relevant through their personalities. And football's in another stratosphere right now, but, but basketball is a good comparison in terms of how the league operates versus how Major League Baseball operates with its, with its players. So how do we promote players, make them as cool and open and promote their personalities as say the NBA does. NBA, some of it's from them, some of it's from, it's just the players knowing that they can say whatever they want and they can connect with fans and they are very, very, you know, social friendly, right? For baseball, for years also, this was a cultural thing. You're a young player, keep your mouth shut, right? Don't say much. Do the cookie cutter answers on interviews. That's starting to change, but I'm just wondering your take on what individual players can do and it's it's a reason why you've got what you've got going at MLB, bro. That's the primary reason why we do this show live every day with players that can finally go somewhere because TV, it's too quick. Some guys like to throw a curse word in there and it's no big deal. The guy says, I don't give a shit. That actually connects in my mind nowadays more with an 18-year-old because that's how some of them talk, not trying to promote cursing or something. But you know what I'm saying? Same right. thing where it's just an open forum at all times. You want to be critical. You want to praise something anywhere you want to go. I think that's important because we have awesome personalities in the game. I just don't think they're highlighted. I've hung out with many. I've spent thousands of hours at ballparks talking to people. I'm like, this dude's awesome. This person's hilarious. And it just doesn't get portrayed in the same way. And the last part I'll say on this question is drama. Drama plays. And there's drama in baseball every single day, whether it's an argument, something going down in the clubhouse. The NBA blasts that out because it's part of real life. We get in conflicts every day in life. So that connects me to uh, a, a fight or a debate, whatever it is. I just think that's going on in baseball too. And we need to bring that out more and not be so protective of the brand. What do you think? I agree with that. I mean, a part of it, uh, there's two things. First of all, the NFL has the perfect formula. It has nothing to do, it, it, it really does, like people... People think uh, the 90% of the players in the NFL, nobody knows, okay? Let's just be honest. Because they have helmets on, they're linemen, they don't, they don't even have stats. 90% you don't know. But 
it's it's once a week for four months. If you play Major League Baseball once a week for for four months, you wouldn't be able to get a ticket. Everything would be heightened. People try to uh, try to look at baseball and take one baseball game and have the equivalent to the TV ratings of one football game. It's not a, a fair comparison. You would have to take ten baseball games and its ratings to 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 add up to one football game. You, do you see what I'm saying? Like so yep. that's skewed when people look at football and its popularity. Okay, there's one, and and the gambling aspect, which baseball will will eventually become even bigger once gambling becomes national, okay? Baseball is actually going to be the biggest winner because there's more games to bet on, more yeah. action, more things you can bet on. Does a guy get a hit here? You will have people betting on, is this a strike? Is this a ball? You, watch. It, it, I've talked to people in gambling all along. They say it, it's going to be huge at some point. Okay. The NBA, I agree with you. And here's the other problem. Here's the thing with the NBA. You only have 15 players, a small amount of players. Only two or three players really matter. So you do know all those guys. They have higher profiles, right? Way higher profiles. But you're right. The fashion part is a part of the NBA. The drama, guys pushing back on each other. And baseball for a long time, you're 100% right, kind of muted the players. And the players need to be able to express themselves, to have fun, you remember even when Ken Griffey Jr. was wearing his hat backwards and some of the older players, oh, that's disrespectful to the game and all that. We need to get off of that. Let people be who they are. Let people express themselves, even good, bad, or indifferent. It's not the end of the world if you have an issue with something going on in baseball. Hey, look who it is. Oh. <laughs> what a graphic, man. What a what a day. Hopefully nobody is dead. Seriously, it was a, a semi burnt up on the road. Oh, uh, yeah. And stopped both sides. They were like sitting out there smoking heaters. <laughs> it was about there's some bocadillas. I'm telling you, some, some crazy things go down in Spain. They just like got out of the car within 10 minutes. Like, damn. All right. How everybody funny. doing though? Good to see everybody. Great okay, to see what's you. Up, what's, you doing? what's going I on? I know the knees hurt. Oh, I know the knees hurt. Adam. Uh, Park, what's up, baby? So we'll we'll get your take on, on some of these topics, but wanted to see if you have something you want to throw Rob's way. Um, you know, we're talking about Jackie Robinson Day. Also, just the the cultural popularity of the sport, because Andrew McCutcheon was on with us earlier saying, like, we need to push the narrative too. Baseball isn't boring. That goes into what he was just saying about making sure we highlight the great personalities in our sport, because that more than ever is important to be able to connect with young fans, and also to connect with young black baseball players and say, hey, you're going to be able to be yourself. What do you think? I mean, obviously, the WBC showed that if, you know, it's way more fun when you can have more fun. Um, it's just, it's fun. But it's, Rob, I, heard, I got to hear the tail part of what you're talking about. How obviously, the NBA just kills it when it comes to um, everything. I mean, they're the number one because not as many players – Sure. Even the even the last player on the uh, the bench, bench, he's fashionable. He's swagged out. Don't nobody know his name, no. But in, but in baseball, we don't know nobody. It's just you know the names go quick, and, and you know it, I understand what you're talking about. I mean, you've seen it a lot longer, but I think baseball is making its its push. I think the Latins are pushing it a lot a lot more. 
than the African Americans because by sheer numbers, 6.1 percent oh, opening day. Damn. Ah. Uh, but it's being pushed to people of color. So, but people of color. Not, it's, but it, again, the reach is not just people of color. It's to the suburbs. Again, the the suburban kids are still watching the baseball game, and they they flagged out, flared out, eye black, going all crazy and stuff like that. Where'd Bryce Harper get that from? Right. You know what I mean? Like you see, you see him like that, and kids are doing that obviously because it's him. But he got it from somebody. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I I, I think that uh, um, there there is because I go to I go to ball games all the time. I mean I do, and I not just in the press box, but in the crowd. I see the younger kids there. I see people there, um, and it's just about really trying to connect, and and um, and and some of the stuff that, that uh, makes it more exciting. I think some of the, the, the changes in the game, we don't want a game where it's only a strikeout or a home run. We don't. And, and, and uh, the whole thing with time, if you can cut it without altering the game, which I think they've been able to do, to be honest, I, I was not that hip on the pitch clock. I've been covering the game for a long time, but it hasn't changed my viewing and whether or not I like the game or the game that's being presented. So I do think it's about, being more social media uh, savvy, putting out those great plays, putting out even more Cuban mentioned it. Baseball's cut for that great play, home run, catching the ball over the fence. Like there's a lot of different things that that really work on TikTok and Instagram. Like those are the things that they really have to, because that's what people watch now. They don't want same thing when we do videos on MLB Bro. They got to be like. 45 seconds, 55 seconds, that's what people will look at. They're not going to watch a five-minute piece of somebody, uh, you know, reciting war and peace. I mean, that, that those days are all over. So if you can highlight those plays, show players and their personalities, I think so. And and we talked about it. I'm, I'm optimistic from the draft. I know the numbers were lower this year than last year. You never want to see that, but I see some promising young players. So I'm more uh, optimistic than I am pessimistic. Hey, Rob, the last thing I have is making the, and this spans for all fans too, is making the game easier to consume um, on all platforms. So there's two layers to this. One is right now, if you're like a Yanks fan, and I'm all about it because it's easy for me, but I know I get asked all the time, where's the game? Where can I watch? How many streaming services do I have to sign up for? There's like 10. I just think we're getting, we're pushing it with the limit there as a sport because no other sport's doing that, not to that level where you need like literally 10 services to, to watch your team and you have to figure out where they are. The other part of the mix for me is this is huge. NBA years ago said pretty much aside from our live games, open forum. You're a content creator. You're you're a, a company that does highlights and aggregates highlights. Use it. Show our great game to the world. The league MLB has been very tight with that, and they they were worried about the short term dollar on that front. I think it's been a big loss on that front because many people can't pay for a billion streaming services and a cable service and all of that. But most people nowadays have some form of phone and can access free content. So that's also as a sport and it, and it works economically as well, opening up your sport to eyeballs. Do you agree with that part of the mix as well? Because in my mind, from what I've viewed, the sports are opposite on that approach. Um, MLB's gotten better with it and have taken a, a softer stance. But NBA, 10 years ago, they're like, go ahead, highlights, 
Everyone look at what we've got. They were right on top of how social media was going to drive the importance of their sport and showing off how cool it is. So I would never try and limit anything aside from, yeah, you can't have your own streaming service just randomly. You know, MLB bros right. can't just can't just run a Yankee game every day live, right? right? But can you show all the coolest clips? You should be able to have a free, free forum to be able to do that because that's how people are going to see it and think it's cool. No doubt. I think that's a great point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I understand baseball, too. They don't want to give away the farm at that point and just let people monetize <laughs> using their video, you know what I mean, without some sort of uh, payment for it. So I do understand it, but they have opened up. Uh, MLB Bro, we're able to access that stuff and, and put that a part of our videos and our website and our stories. So it is important to do that. And I think you're right. Baseball now heading towards that. But it was an issue in the past. And uh, there, there's so many plays and so many things that that you could utilize uh, to get the game out. And the more you get it out there and the more people get to see it, there's so many good young players out there. We saw it uh, uh, last year and I think this year uh, already getting started. So it, the game has a different feel. It does feel faster to me. It does feel like after the WBC, there was a juice to starting uh, the season. Uh, there, there's no doubt that it wasn't like the dreary spring training games, you know, boring as hell. And then all of a sudden, let's try to get up for the season. That WBC kicked off the, the opening day. And I think baseball has been off to a nice start the first two weeks. Hey, Rob, awesome to have you on. We really appreciate it. And again, MLBbro.com pushing all kinds of next level content right now. So I encourage you all to check that out. And uh, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on soon, Rob. Enjoy the weekend. All right, man. appreciate it. Good luck with everything. And uh, yes, anytime you need me, let me know, please. I love that. All right, and then I wanted to spend the last two minutes here because Jonesy late to the party, but I want to make sure you get some words in. Jackie Robinson Day is Saturday, so this show is Monday through Friday. This is where we honor Jackie all throughout the day. Andrew McCutcheon came on and, and talked all about kind of his, his thoughts on, on Jackie and where the sport is at right now. Um, in terms of kind of trying to raise that that number that you referred to, the 6.1% of yeah. the league um, has black players right now. We all know the number's too damn low. So how do you up that number? How do you connect with the young black ball player and really promote getting more black ball players to play baseball and rise through the ranks and come into MLB? Well, when you mentioned the word Jackie, the, just the name Jackie Robinson to me, it just means opportunity and a man that was just – he didn't want to knock their asses out yet. Um, <laughs> he got his revenge year two, three, and four on the field. But no, uh, Major League Baseball is doing a fantastic job with uh, with the programs, the youth programs. It takes time. Uh, seeing what, there was a comment by Regan saying when he took over the job in 2015, um, he thought that he can just make a change in five to six years. He realized that no. I can make an indention in five to six years, but I still need it still needs time. And with the Players Alliance, there's a lot of great things going on. It takes time. Uh, six point one, that is terribly low. Um, but like you said, the pipeline in the minor leagues is coming up. There's a lot of African Americans that have been drafted in the last couple of years. A lot more youths playing. At the end of the day, hopefully, uh, colleges can increase the scholarships from twelve point seven, I believe, to just let it open like you do football. That thirty—I mean, let's let forty people in. Who cares? Um, I think that would that would help a lot. Community colleges and college are very hard and very expensive. Um, but 
it just takes time and it takes awareness. It takes uh, Mookie Betts getting, you know, posting more. It takes uh, the big prominent name, Jason Hayward. It takes the, the big prominent black Afri- African-American guys posting more and just being more involved. And uh, they have over the last few years and they, they will continue over the next uh, hopefully decades. And um, hopefully we get the number back up. Yeah, that's a good point on, and we brought that up. I think it's eleven point seven baseball scholarships. So weird, yeah. eleven point seven. I would just be scared of the number itself. I'm like, can we just say eleven or twelve? I mean, right. I get what they're talking about because you can do partial scholarship. But my thing is with the way that they're opening up on the marketing front with NIL and guys can sign marketing deals. I think you're going to create even more of a disparity because there's so much money in football and marketing contracts and stuff like that for young young players and same thing on basketball baseball's definitely behind on that front so my thing to counter that too is i wonder if it's major league baseball saying hey let's let's push some money to open up some more scholarships but also who cares why can't we have powerhouse college programs and some of them are like you know what we have the money there's players that need scholarships to be able to play this damn sport why why limit us because it's going to create an unfair advantage for some teams i mean that's already happening especially now because a booster could be like oh my car dealership's gonna pay everyone anyway so there's disparity all over the place in my mind if you want to get more participation from uh, a young group right that definitely needs to take advantage of a scholarship then give them more scholarship opportunities right isn't it just a math equation jonesy i'm looking at football and i'm like i got a million opportunities here to get a scholarship. I don't know what the number is, but they've got a ton. Plus, they might pay me on the side. Baseball's not doing that, so let me go to school for free. It's cultural. I mean, I didn't go to college. I got recruited to go to college. I took official visits to go to college. The basketball team is black. The football team is black. The quarterback's generally white. Uh, But then when, when I hung out with the baseball team, there was maybe a black dude, maybe a Latin dude, you know, in the West Coast, you know, you got you got Hispanic guys, but the majority were white guys. And it's cultural. It is what it is. That's why it's 11.7 because, hey, I didn't go to four-year school. I signed because if I had to go, I was going to San Diego State. I don't know. I forgot what it cost, but if I had to pay any of it, I'm going to community college. I ain't got mm-hmm. money. Okay? And I'm not the only story like that. There's many stories like that. And again, there's people that parents that take out loans and mortgages, all that kind of stuff to leverage for their kids. And then what if the kid is not good enough and you mortgage your house and you end, everybody's just messed up. It's so many, it's just, it's a, it's a culture and it's finances when it comes to college baseball. And if they just open it up, it doesn't come to that when it comes to football and basketball. The dude from the brokenest home, no, I mean, no running water can get a college basketball scholarship and football scholarship. So how do we solve it? The scholarships need to just be open. And I don't know how to do that. I'm not the NCAA. Again, that's way above my pay grade and knowledge and understanding. But I just know that when I look at a sideline and I look at University of Alabama, majority of them kids is black. And my eyes ain't going to lie to me. They ain't ain't lying to me right there. I ain't that damn colorblind. I don't believe that's green and stuff like that. So – but when you look at the baseball team, and again, there's more black people, more African-Americans in baseball, in college baseball. I've been watching a lot more. Sabathia got me watching a lot more college baseball. But it's generally still a lot more white kids. And again, it's cultural. And it's, when it comes to finances, then there's a different conversation. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Nope, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. that's why we're, we're kicking around also, you know, 
how you can reach more young athletes and yeah. young black ball players and say, hey, keep on the path, okay? Because you guys are the prime example. Like you guys mm -hmm. had incredible major league careers. You you know what it was like to to go through this entire journey, but then also make it to the bigs and deal with the good and the bad. You can also explain, you know, what it what it looks like to have a big league career in terms of especially football. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more like quantity opportunities for football in terms of the scholarships and making it to the NFL. But then, I mean, the average career span for a football player is short. It's obviously a much more dangerous sport. They don't have guaranteed contracts, or at least not the full contracts guaranteed. There's a lot of advantages there. And I think that there are quite a few players that are looking for someone to, you know, mentor them or just keep them going. And it's just impossible to have it's impossible for, for guys like you to have one-on-ones with, you know, a thousand people, right? Like well, it's just well not now possible. it's you you were vilified forever speaking out out about it. You know what I mean? You oh you sh you you should be happy you had an opportunity. Opportunity? Well, I should be happy for it. I'm better than you guys. What the hell? I'm happy for an opportunity for. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't I don't deserve this. I earned it. What the hell are you talking about? But now with the money that these players is making, <laughs> you seen it with Allen Iverson. Second he started making all that bread, tad it up. But I could, you know, listen to what y'all talking about. I, I, I'm my own merch. I got a mind too. And now you're starting to see with these guys, they're starting to talk. And they're starting to, again, that's what the Players Alliance, we are, you know, we don't need to speak and spat all that weed, man, we can't stand, oh, no, no, okay, we got it. We understand how to speak the king's language now, right? We came together, we got our own money, which scares the hell out of everybody. We got our own money, we got our own capital, and we're starting to use it now. That scares the hell out of everybody, and that's why people, oh, let's join this and join this. Yeah, that's why you want to buy us out, no. We got a week when we when we put our brains and our money together, it's like every other group. See, that's power. And yeah. that's what we need to do economically. But it's again, it's very, very hard. That gives you leverage when, when, when you're able to spend. And, and that to me, that's the voice aspect of it. Do you feel like when you were a player, you weren't allowed to speak freely um, about your thoughts? But there Ooh. you go. That face should say it all. No. Ooh. I was in Baltimore, though. Anybody listening to me? <laughs> I mean, that's that's nobody was listening to me in Baltimore. You know what I mean? And, until I go go to New York and say something crazy, but nobody in Boston, nobody listening to me in Baltimore. In Baltimore. Did, did you did you feel like you wanted more of a platform as a player and and couldn't do it? I mean, obviously you're super active on social media. That helps, right? But the, it's not like. You're sitting down on, on a pregame show and just getting to, you know, kind of voice all of your opinions freely. So do you feel like it had to do with the market, like being in Baltimore? Did any of it have to do with the kind of traditional factors of baseball? Like when you first came up, it's like, hey, you're you're new in the league. Just kind of keep your mouth shut. Do your thing. You know, all the rookie players and even just the first few years in the league have spoken to plenty of players that are like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't really want to like show how how fun or cool or opinionated I am. How, how did you feel like that was for you? I had the Mariners dudes. I, I had Willie Bloomquist and JJ Putz. They just taught me like they was like, hey, I don't give a damn if you're a first rounder. Put your head in the sand. Let's grind this out. We need you in the big leagues. And I maintained that throughout my career. Really, it was just like I just played once one style. I played the game hard. I played the game right. I hit behind runners no matter what the situation was. I'm hitting third. I'm playing, I'm watching the game and analyzing, playing the game. 
But at the same time, uh, I'm living a unbelievably cool ass life. Are you kidding me? I get to travel around uh, the, the United States and stay at the best hotels, meet some of the best people, coolest new people, uh, eat some of the best food, steakhouses all over the country. Um, but I'm, we're, but the thing is, is we're doing this at such a young age, people don't respect that part. They're like, oh well, you're making a lot of money. You should, you know, because a guy making 10 million, store number out there. Generally, he's probably in his 50s, 60s, something like that, where he's built that wealth and all that stuff. You don't do that at 25, 26, 27. So it, it comes a responsibility for us. Um, but you got to live your life, man. I mean, you still got to live. You got to enjoy the, this this life because you only get one. And you got with these careers, it can go in, it can, it can go like that. Uh, you know, we all seen people get hurt. Locaine, you was a late bloomer. You yeah. know what I mean? Your path was to not get a big contract. Your path was to just grind and stay on and stay, you know, just you know, stay in there and get six, seven years, do that, grinding yourself from a 26 year old to a 36 year old. Yes. People don't do that. <laughs> Most people do it. My path from 20 to 34, like you did it on the on the backside. Like so, that's like even more respect to it because at 32, I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe, let me tell you, it wasn't easy. Let me tell you. <laughs> It wasn't easy, but like I said, I just I just kept grinding, man, and and, and I started late with everything. Like I said, I didn't start baseball until tenth grade, and and I had to learn fast, or I knew I would have been back on a flight back to Madison County <laughs> really quick. <laughs> so I had to learn everything quick on the fly, and if I wanted to play for a long time, I knew I had to work my tail off, and and, and that's what I did. And you know, I was very fortunate. I had great people around me, you know, support system, you know, my mom and family members, and. And I was able to play for a long time, and, and now I get an opportunity to just relax and hang out with my kids and just enjoy life now. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of a lot of things uh, that went went into that journey. You know, um, it, it took a lot of great people in my life, and I'm, I was so blessed and fortunate to be in that position for sure.